0: episode of LFC Talk here at Hotel Tia. Today, I've got one of my favorite people in the whole entire world as a guest. I can't believe Tony Woolerscroft hasn't been a guest earlier, David Fairclough, because this man has taken your fine photo among very many photos. Um, Tony Wallace our guest of honor, is a massive red from Stoke. He is a brilliant photographer. I always introduce him as one of the UK's best and leading rock photographers. He is the photographer for the Foo Fighters, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, among others who will always seek for his photos when they are out and about and playing those tunes. He's has also taken lots and lots of official photos for Liverpool Football Club among uh, photos of my books. That's how we got to know each other. We'll come back to that. But just so you know, you've got some talent in this room, both with their feet and with their fingertips. And their eyes and everything about, you know, it's all about space, I just realised. Photographer and football, you've got so much in common because it's all about space. But first of all, David Fairclough, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm very well. It's always uh, a joy to to join everybody uh, and and speak to the... uh the few that are bothered
0: to, uh, <laughs> to listen to, to us. Join <laughs> well, 48 awesome. countries. 48 countries. I keep coming back to that. I think that is quite incredible wow. that our little podcast reaches out to 48 different countries. And um, hopefully many more next season when we will uh, gear up and actually start marketing this thing. Now it's just us getting together and, and chatting about the Reds uh, because we love that. Love, uh, our weekly chats but next year you just wait Tony your podcast episode will blow up there and then be out in space yeah how are you doing Tony I'm
2: good I I came off my bike in the Isle of Wight the other week (laughs) my back wheel went on date, and I couldn't unclick out the pedals quick enough and then smash my hip and the bruising just grew and grew and grew. And it was like, bottom of my back, down my leg, on the side. So, uh, yeah, that thing. But it's always better when the sun's out, and it's Finally, I think, summer's here, which is nice.
1: Feels like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah been, you know. It's been a good place to be over the last few days. Correct. And Liverpool has been, had a great weekend.
0: <laughs> because, Tony, as much as you are from Stoke, coming up to Anfield is your home, isn't it?
2: Most definitely. Most definitely, you know, I been coming up here for concerts and, and football, well, f- for concerts since 1982. And then football for the past 25 years when I managed to get a season ticket. So it's, it's like coming home, isn't you know, I love where I sit on the cop. It's the, all the people around me are fantastic. And um, yeah, it's like coming home. Tony, we will obviously sum up the
0: season, and we've said goodbye to some incredible players and mm-hmm. some players who could have been incredible but sort of didn't really make it uh, with the club, etc. We will get to that. Um, we we will be grieving grieving for a while. I don't know if you've noticed the T-shirt I've got on. It's si "Season Your wow. You'll Never Walk Alone," especially for this podcast and for the last whole match of the season. But before we go to sum up the, the season before the last and final round. Um, how did you become a red living in Stoke?
2: I, how did I become a red? John Barnes asked me this, didn't he? Put me on the spot. You're from Stoke, why do you support Liverpool? Well, I spent the first 18 months of my life in Singapore. <laughs> so you could be pretty neutral mm. if you do that. Uh, my dad was based in the armed forces in the Navy out there. I, I don't know what, why Liverpool. I suppose as a kid... Uh, in the 70s, obviously, with yourself and that lot. They were the big team. But doing the job that I did sucks a lot of weekends out. So for quite a while, it was very sporadic how you could get up and, and get the match. It was getting tickets and everything. And then with luck, would it, I started... There's a buzz that comes up from Stoke, supporters club buzz. And... Um, A friend of mine's brother had had a season ticket for years, absolutely years. And um, Mick became one of my best friends and still is. And um, he rang me up two days before the window shut on a season ticket renewal saying, this guy's let me down. If I don't get it gone, I'll lose it kind of thing. And um, I scrimped and got all the money I could together and um, got the season ticket. And from then it's been it's been mad you know i it's funny because i know we'll touch on this later on but you you're almost spoiled supporting liverpool you know i've been four champions league finals most people don't even get go one or see the team in europe you know what i mean to think that you've actually been four champions i've been two europa cup finals fa cups And then we'll sit here and go, God, the season's been crap. You know what I mean? But you are spoiled. There's no denying that. Completely and utterly.
0: Towards the end of the show, you'll have to share with us your greatest lib football club memory. But let's uh, talk a little bit about your photography first. Because... Uh, through being such an amazing photographer as you are, um, you've been able to meet so many of your heroes and current players uh, because you take a lot of the official photos for the printed stuff uh, Liverpool Football Club gives out, the, the books, you know, you work for Reach Media a lot. That's how we met yep. through the Liverpool um, uh, FC Heroes book, which was official back in the days. Um, what has it been like to be able to take photos of your heroes and is it, so, is it true, never meet your heroes, or does that not go with Liverpool?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the spot here, <laughs> Okay. Well, There's a lot of questions in one. That's horrible journalism, but do the best. <laughs> so, we'll go with Steven Gerrard.
0: <gasps> oh, that was a day and a half. If it was my Steven Gerrard day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she knows. I, I As a kid, when I... I always had that thing told to me, if you ever like a band, never meet them, they'll always let you down, kind of thing. And when I've thought about that saying, this is what I interpret that as. You don't know what was happening to them five minutes before you walked into the room. They could have been having the worst day in the world and then suddenly, ah, you walk in and, ah, you know. know, and So I kind of like... I never have any anticipation of what the game be like. I, I always dial in, know what I've got to do, get the job done, and then after I can relax a little bit. So, Steven, in 2007, I think it was, Reach asked me to do um, two cover shoots with him. for the uh, By then, the magazine, I think, was Weekly. So uh, I set a studio upstairs in Malwood in the media room and um, I was told I'd have 40 minutes with him and um, we'd do two cover shoots. So walked in, uh, yeah, we haven't got 40 minutes, you've got five. <gasps> <laughs> I was like, didn't panic, you know. The, the, I know the press agent at that point for Liverpool's face went red and walked off kind of thing. But I just... OK, let's see what we can do in five minutes. And I worked really quickly. And actually, the press agent came up to me afterwards and said, thank you very much for that. You know what I mean? I've seen photographers have meltdowns kind of thing. So that was the first time I did Stephen. I managed to, do I think, 60 shots with one setup and 50 shots with another working very, very quickly. Um, the second time I did his captain's boot cover, uh, he gave me... 14 minutes (laughs) So I, I got 14 minutes with him And I knew once I got the shot Even though he said That he hadn't had a shave or anything that he wouldn't come back and do it again, but he was on. A good, it was a good day. That was the, his captain's book. Now the last one it was my captain's book, maybe. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Which was was trying. Thank God again that I'd set it up new. And the the weird thing about that that book was we tried to make all the pictures look like they were done in one day. So if I went to Tommy Smith's house. We pulled his dining room apart and set the studio up with and, a
0: backdrop and yeah, professional and, lighting. It was a full-on studio wherever we went. went
2: yeah, um, so we, we went to the airport
0: with Suness. Was that what <laughs> yeah, was that it in was Southampton Southampton, airport. Airport.
2: sorry, Southampton. We had to go Jamie um, naps We set his garage up downstairs. <laughs> and Louise was bringing us in an orange and things. It was it was full on, but so I knew what worked and what didn't. And, and when he walked out and went, he, he threw a bit of a paddy, like, well, then he said, I've got to go, I've got to go. We gave Milton and he Keynes. All, no,
0: but he also said, I can't do photos. Because mm. it was something to do, probably, you know, with what clothing he was wearing. and um, But it, it was brilliant because he, I think with Stephen, though, I mean, the book we did together, um the Liverpool Captain's book, he had never given an in-depth book interview ever before outside his own book. So yeah. this was his first. And and I don't blame him for being uh, sceptical about journalists and especially someone he doesn't know because of all the pressure and everything he's been reading about himself. You know, well, it was his days. last
2: season as well and there was a lot of questions being fired at. And him. we
0: were the only ones getting mm-hmm. an, a proper interview with him when, before he was leaving for America. So he was nervous and, and Jamie Carragher came along with him. Um, as support, but we also obviously interviewed uh, Jamie as a vice captain. But I remember before before we started, he said, "I'm not taking any photos." And I thought, "Okay." But then I said to him, "You know what? It's okay. It's okay." But Tony is one of the leading rock photographers in in England, and he's taken all the other yeah. cover shots. And it's opening every chapter, and it's more than just a photo. It's it's like it's like art, you know. It, it they, he's taken some gorgeous photos of every single captain still alive. Um, and they're all exclusively interviewed in this book. And then I, I could see on his face he thought that sounded a bit cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he did. He did say, um, "Well, you know." Uh, I said, "Why don't we just take the photos and then, mm. and then later you can decide if we're allowed to put them in?" And he's like, "Okay, deal." And he allowed us to put them in. And they were great photos. Twenty
2: seconds. <laughs> That's what he gave me. <laughs> was it 20
0: seconds. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> he was I mean, about to I miss a train.
0: <laughs> 30
2: pictures, I think. I just, I, I knew what I'd got to do at that point, so I just got what I needed to get, and that was it. He was, he was off to Milton Keynes tea for something or other.
0: Yeah, he ran off with my, phone, my phone as well. Cause <laughs> I was sitting on the table recording.
2: He picked <laughs> and he was so stressed. Yeah.
0: So he just picked up whatever was in front of him and still recording <laughs> and ran off. So I had to call and said, have, have you got yeah. an extra phone with you? And he's like, oops. <laughs> that was hilarious. But it was an iconic photo though. You know, it's one of the most important photos I've ever taken, Have been taken, was was you taking the photo where I got to carry the captain's band in the middle, and then I had Jamie and Stephen on each side. side. So that was, like, iconic for the captain's project. So
2: going back to what we initially said, I don't carry any expectations, (laughs) really. I'm used to moody bands that can sometimes not be asked or things like that, you know what I mean? I, I get into that mode where I go, okay, this works, I know what I've got to do, get it done and then hopefully we'll feed off each other and it'll go fun, or oh, I've just done the job kind of thing.
0: But saying that though, you know Steven very well. He is protected, isn't he, because, because he's been so profiled.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the modern footballer has a different approach to you know ones of a previous generation. And uh, I mean, I was in the company of one of my uh, heroes on Thursday. Uh, I spoke to him a couple of times since. Um but it, it, it is something I think of the age, you know, of footballers, whether or not you know, I don't know, there's so much time, uh, well, so much of their time demanded or whatever, uh, and you can have your own opinion why that is, but uh, I mean my original all-time hero was Roger Hunt and mm. uh, and and when you know, I've said this before, uh, I mean to to ultimately, Consider Roger Hunt as a friend. It was like absolutely amazing because I grew up with this. uh, I grew up with uh, with Roger Hunt. You know, I mean, he was next thing to God. Um, And uh, and Graham down the years. I was with uh, I was with Graham last Thursday, and uh, never uh, I've never been anything but impressed by how he handles himself and the time that he has for people and. Mm and that type of thing. It, but, was, uh, it was
2: funny in Southampton Airport. We were struggling for set anywhere for pictures up. The um, moment you drop as his name, oh, you can have this room and, yeah, and yeah, all the do space do, that, do, that you then. want. Yeah. And suddenly, yeah, yeah. all these doors opened and everything, didn't
1: yeah. Graeme's uh, name does open uh, <laughs> doors. People are immediately taken by him because he's got an air about him oh, that, yeah. that very few people do have. And... Uh, I know in recent days here he's he he was on TV a couple of days ago talking about his charity efforts and uh, it was very emotional for Graham and the reaction has been incredible and I think from that you know his uh, his legend will only get become even greater uh, to be honest.
0: And you talking about charity, Graham and you uh, played golf for a good course
1: on Thursday. Yeah, he uh, he generously gave his gave up his time to support my. uh, Charity efforts for the Walton Centre, uh, and you know what a man, what a man he was uh, to to travel five hours to come and you know give us his time, or, uh, and then we had a drink afterwards, and and then he was back on the road and another wow. five hours back. I mean, wow. uh, very few people will will do that, and uh, mm. you know as I say, I've never any uh, I've never any question about you know. Blasting Graham's name to the, no. you know, I'm very much uh, endorsing yeah. him as a character.
0: And we are with Stephen Gerard as well, well you yeah. know. It's, it's more, we're more giggling about it now. And, and also, you know, which was so lovely a couple of years ago when I, I walked into um, Stephen uh, at Jamie Carriger's um, charity in the Titanic Hotel. And Stephen actually came up to me and kissed me. Wow. And said, I loved your
2: book. Oh there you go. Well done you. There you go. And yeah. well
0: done you too. Because hmm. the photos are important and we were a team. We yeah. travelled everywhere together, you know, we, we planned what we were wanted to talk to them about and you were such a big part of that that well that book as well. It was, was <laughs> mad
2: like... the, the amount of places we went and yeah. like Ronnie Whelan's house where we're carrying out the dining room table <laughs> to put it somewhere to say. It was yeah. It was an adventure that was, man. Yeah, I yeah, really, really enjoyed. Really enjoyed. And
0: really emotional with Tommy mm-hmm. Smith. Yeah. Um, he was quite ill at the time, mm. so we'd interviewed him once before. So we.
2: And he was great, Monty. Yeah. And then my lasting and it, isn't it mad because my lasting vision of Tommy was him waving at the window like oh, a little lad me cry. as we left.
0: We we cried when we left.
2: Yeah, it was. It, it was funny because. His daughter actually said, "Tommy looking after his wife was the glue that held him completely yeah. together." Mm. Yeah. The moment his wife went, yeah, within six months, yeah, Tommy had gone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I know Tommy well. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, before as a as a fan, uh, and then later as a friend, and uh, yeah, saw the stages that he unfortunately had to go through.
2: Yeah. It. It was mad, wasn't it? Because. I'd never been around, I suppose, footballers from back in the day then and to see how much he'd put his body on the line that he couldn't fold his arms properly because mm. of his elbows and things like that, yeah. you know. The, mm, yeah. it, it, and his hips and his knees and what he'd actually put himself on the line for playing mm. for Liverpool. Mm. He sacrificed his whole body. Correct.
0: Yeah. And metal know. everywhere. Yeah.
1: I know, um, but I suppose if you, you know, and, and people have said certain things to me down the years, if you if you knew before you started that you were going to be troubled in, in quite the way, uh, would you have done it? And, you know, I don't think uh, Tommy would have no. ever said, uh, not, not a moment, it, no. it was, you're involved in something that you um, dream of, and then once you get in there, then... You know, you, you you're fully committed. You're all in, mm-hmm. and, and Tommy was very much all in.
2: Yeah, it was amazing to see how much like damage he'd done mm-hmm. to himself. But like you say, if you're doing something that you love, that's probably pushes mm-hmm. himself even further on the limits, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to to see him at uh, first hand. You know, obviously, uh, you know, in preparation, and then through, you know, competing and, and, mm. and stuff. Uh, yeah, I was a, he was a warrior and uh, and obviously the thing that made it all uh, worthwhile for, for everybody that I've played with was, uh, it, was for, it was for Liverpool and, yeah. um, you know, that, that love run you know, very deep. Yeah.
0: Tony, you, you need to find a connection with people, famous people, quickly to make your work come across as as brilliant as it is, what is your trick to sort of make the likes of Stephen Gerard comfortable in 20 seconds?
2: I don't faff. Mm. I, I, I know what works and what doesn't. That That's what I, I think anyway, is I, I don't, you know, I'm not panicking or mm. that's why, as daft as it sounds, for years I managed without one, but now I take an assistant with me because it's set up before somebody walks in. The worst thing that they could do is... Uh, it's happened a couple of times to me. I did Fabrice Muamba's book. And it, what, what a story he wasn't, you know. I never quite realised what went on to him. the look that that guy had, that Britain's leading heart surgeon was actually a Tottenham supporter yeah. watching the match. And when he collapsed on the floor, he walked down the steps and went to the policeman, if you don't let me on the pitch to see to them he's going to die. And he kept him alive for 40 minutes. Wow. Massaging his heart, keeping it going and everything. Going off track there. Anyway, um, I went to the FA. I never knew that the the FA had a headquarters in Manchester in the square. Mm -hmm. In Manchester, and they were like, oh, yeah, you can set up on the third floor. So set all up on there. And then somebody... Just as Fabrice arrived, came in and went, Oh, well, I need this room. You'll have to go down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you've got the guy standing there and I'm carting everything downstairs. It's a big and rig. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, then the pressure's on them because he's, he's given up his time and I'm having set everything up. But going back to your initial question, I think it's, it is one of them. Like I say, I know what works and I've thought it through before I go up. It will be set up by the time the player or the artist walks in and then we get the job done and then we can go to other places. I mean, I did see Joe Aguero's book cover and didn't speak any English at the time. Um But I had three hours with him. We did everything. You know what I mean? Everything. Such a great guy. Do you mind if we just go out? Or, yeah, yeah, no problem. So, yeah, you kind of like I know I know what works. I get the nuts and bolts done beforehand, and then we can start looking, to see if we can get something else out of it.
0: And what I also like when I see you work is how you're not sort of being this admiring sort of little puppet because they are a lot of the time your heroes. Mm-hmm. It's either in music or in football, but you manage to just stay yourself, you know, yeah. bubbly, happy, you know, down to earth, you just know, get it done, cracking some jokes and. It's the same, you know, um, Tony's done a couple of LFC wedding f- weddings for us. And people just, the wedding couple, they just come back in love with you. They're like, <laughs> oh, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. So no matter if it's like famous people or any people, it's like, it's like you, you, you just get that report with them yeah. straight away. But then when you shoot big arena gigs, that's a completely different uh, thing. How do you think and work then to get those incredible shots?
2: I think when I'm working for bands, you, you kind of like... First and foremost, you'll get a really good live stage shot from the pit the at the front, which is the barrier towards the stage. But then you'll start looking for, how do I make this... You know, I'll look on stage where you can shoot by the drummer and then you've got the whole... But Planning goes into things like this. I'll go and talk to the lighting engineer before and go, if I'm going to go on stage, which songs light the arena up the best? Make sure I'm on stage like when the whole arena's lit up so you can see where it's been. So there's a lot of thought. The easy thing to do is just rock up, sit in the pit for 10 songs, encore on stage, walk off kind of thing. But if you actually talk to the right people, you, you can plan it. So, so I was with Jerry Cinnamon last summer, so you, you would talk to the, 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 the Aldi, the lighting designer, and you, he would go probably out in the arena from the back of the hall, because I'll light the whole place up. That'll look quite spectacular. So there's a lot of thought goes into it. So you'll have a set list then, and I'll mark the songs of where I should be. And and But then there's almost... Uh, then you have this spontaneity kind of thing if, if something's happening in the pit that looks really good, you'll you'll photograph that more. But yeah, you, you try and plan ahead.
0: Yeah, because you have to be at the right pl- place at the right time. Correct. But what bands are the most fun, or artists are the most fun to photographer and why?
2: <laughs> I suppose the Foo Fighters as, as much as anything, because it's Dave, you know, I, I, I've shot them 26 years, so... But at the moment, my favourite album that I'm listening to and I'm working for the band is 100 Reasons at the moment. And it's funny because this is kind of like even done a full circle for me because I did their very first feature on Kerrang! In 2001, I went down to Aldershot, very young bunch of guys, and then did various features with them with Kerrang!, and then the band, 15 years ago, had a hiatus, you know. They all went off and did other things, had families in it. And then they got back together and bought this new album out, which is fantastic. And then I've just done the tour with them when they finished at Ham Smith Odeon, the Apollo, to 5,500 people. And then next month they're at Download Festival, so I'm back there with them. So, and that, that again, it, when you go on rapport with bands... It, that's like going back and seeing old friends. You know what I mean. It, it, it makes it so much more easy. So it's always hard when you're with a new artist because you, you don't know the crew and you don't know what he's like and, and things like that. And, and some some band personnel and an artist like a photographer on stage, and, and some don't. You know, so you, you have to feel your way in, but when you go to bands like 100 Reasons, within 10 minutes, it's like we haven't... You know, even though it's 15, 16 years ago since I've seen them, it's, it's like 10 minutes.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, gig was the most uh, shaky to do? Or do you have like a, like a memory where you have like... Where things definitely didn't go to plan, but you, you landed anyway, or... What sort of stands out like the most sort
2: of surprising gig you've done? So, it's funny because gigs now uh, and the safety of fans in the hall and the safety of artists have changed completely. When I first started, there was no security barrier at the front. You know, you had to muscle in with the crowd and and the gigs I used to do were mad kids diving off the stage and I remember a, a, a band called Agnostic Front from America. I was out from with Kerrang with them on the road and in Bradford, somebody elbowed me and I had two stitches down my eye there. Mm. You know what I mean? There's no security at the front, so it's just one of them. You came out kind of thing. I've got a black eye. Luckily, your camera's all right kind of thing. But the Marquee in London, I remember Faith No More there, another band I used to do. And I know really well. And um Steve Gullick, a, a friend of mine, got kicked in the face, took his flash gun off the top of his camera, and he had a egg by the time he came out with stitches above his eye and everything. So they were always the hard gigs. Now it's quite a, quite luxurious if you got I mean you've got a security barrier at the front and you can wander around and and, and things. So Back in the day, it was a bit more hard work than it is now. So you know
0: when they say they buy tickets for the Golden Circle, you got the Diamond Circle
2: then? Yeah. I get the best one in the house, really. (laughs) The band's exactly where you are, kind of thing. Sometimes it varies. I mean, Nicole uh, Sezinger, I can't pronounce. Yes. Um, She was, what band was she in? Dolls. dolls. God, man of... I know. man, Take it away, go. David. She, well, anyway, she gave me 60 seconds and you had a guy in the, the pit with a stopwatch. So the lights ah. went down. A, a silhouette of Nicole came on stage. He started the stopwatch and everybody was ushered out after 60 you know. seconds. Ah. So that... You literally are like... Just yeah. trying to get as many shots as you can, kind of thing. Mm. And then, God, yeah, you, you do. Then you have the best one in the house where they're playing stadiums all like with Jerry last last year. He was I think, what did he pull? He, he pulled 30,000 in Nottingham, 50,000 in Swansea, and 35,000 in Cardiff in the three days that I was with him over the weekend. And you've got inaccessible areas where you can literally go anywhere on them kind of things. So, That's incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's mad, but it is one of them. You go, you're there to do a job. It, it can be a long one as well. When you're working for bands, quite simply is. We all know now how social media works. They all want it now. So what I tend to do when I'm out with a band is the two card slots in the camera. I'll shoot the main one all the way through the gig, but on the encore, I'll put fresh cards in and shoot the encore is it, it on Fresh Cards, because I'll download those quickly after the gig, edit there and then, and then they've got something to put out on the social media oh, okay. straight away.
0: Yeah, David, do you like going to see live concerts?
1: Uh, some, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little bit... Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I used to be choosy, but... Um, <laughs> I went to the Stones last year, which oh, was amazing. Oh, It's Alfield. Yeah, that it was amazing. That was incredible. Uh, never thought I'd want to see the Stones, To be honest, but I mean, hugely impressed.
0: It's one of, uh, apparently one of, because we had one of Norway's best rock uh, guitarists here for the Stones, and he's seen them over 20 times wow. over the years, and he mm. said that's one of the best Stones concerts he's ever seen.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was something else. Um, but some things, I'm a little bit uh, slow sometimes, maybe, to to book and uh, you know uh, you've got to get in early haven't you to uh, do you know
2: I think my friend was trying to sell Beyonce tickets a friend Mm -hmm. of a friend I've I've seen Beyonce the the price of them was frightening they they bought like VIP packages they were 400 quid each yeah
1: I've seen Beyonce in uh, yeah I've seen her in Manchester I've been looking up to see some big names yeah McCartney I like, don't uh, come, come much bigger than McCartney. No, in, in some, in I, I met him worlds.
2: once um, yeah. through Dave Grohl. The first yeah. question you ask him: "Aint he? Are you red or blue?" <laughs> oh, what did
0: he say? Yeah. <laughs> red. Yes. <Yeah.
2: laughs> well, he grew.
1: He grew up in. Uh, he grew up uh, very close initially. Not a lot of people talk, talk about it, but. Uh, just not far from where we're where we're, you know where we're sitting now and, and where I where I grew up in uh, oh, my mother be- knew of Mrs McCartney oh. and
0: this was before they I moved
1: they to Allerton then yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah before they grew you know yeah they lived in Everton all uh, oh, right well a place a tenement uh, building in uh, wow. not so far doesn't exist no more mm-hmm. but uh, so it's not on the tour kind of thing but he's not from Allerton originally he's uh, you know there you go. looking They're up not he's, he's a real Scouse, mm-hmm.
0: you know. Love it, love it <laughs> So guys, let's move over to um, this season uh, We are only one round away from finishing this this one This dance with the Reds um, I have uh, my, my t-shirt in honour of Firmino And I have to say, as we said goodbye to Firmino, Ox, Milner and Keita um, It was quite emotional It was like an end of an era kind of feeling, yeah. wasn't it?
2: I, I said before we came off it, this one's a, you really feel like it, it, it's the closing chapter of this really good team mm-hmm. the final break up but the odd play is gone before but with Milner and Firmino going um,
0: and Mane last, last season
2: yeah you know it, you feel like this is that chapter coming Towards the end Don't you You know
0: Yeah for me
1: For me no. Obviously it's been Such an integral part Of uh, of Liverpool's success The, the Klopp journey mm. And uh, uh, You know All the achievements That this group Sort of made You know He scored the winning goal In the World Club Championship Correct So uh, yeah. I mean An amazing uh, part of Liverpool's uh, Modern history So it was um, it, it was touching to well, I mean, the clamour for tickets were because it was going to be Bobby's final appearance, and, and people thought before the game, well, would he get on naturally, or would he, you know, would it be a, it kind token? Of a, as a yeah. token gift to the last, you know, five minutes? But I mean, the fact that he actually got brought on in, in and scores in probably, front of the
0: cops, yeah, yeah it's probably it was made
1: for him, and uh, if he could write, uh, if he could write a sort of way to go. Uh, wow. and not many people get an opportunity, really. I mean, we were talking after the game. Uh, you know, there've been many great players who've never really got an opportunity to yeah. to say,
2: you know, Goodbye.
1: farewell, mm. you know, you're out the door, like Manny, for example. Yeah. I mean, there was no uh, pomp and scenery for Mane. but uh, it was fitting for Bobby at the weekend. Uh, it was uh, obviously he's got the, the the song that you know creates one of the great sort of moods of any Liverpool game so it's one of the so best songs was, uh, in a decade mm, I think yeah both, so, so so the fact that you know he, he is that uh, I mean he's been such a cult hero of of Liverpool it was, it was, it, was a, it was a great day pity it was such a poor performance really overall I think uh, and a little bit underwhelming to finish with a draw not take it you know really <laughs> yeah. to the end game you know the last last game of the season might not be sort of really uh, meaningful, but um, it was uh, it, w- it was a great day on it was a great day on Saturday for for various reasons.
0: And he's just like he's just living. Um, how should I say this? Spiced up our team, Firmino. You know, <laughs> with the whitest teeth, with the no goal, no look goals, goals, all those celebrations, all the hairdos. I mean, I'm not saying football should be about all that sort of stuff. But he has been a really sort of winning character in terms of recruiting kids, um, little girls, you know, like like all sorts of, like, like a wide, wide uh, spectre of, of of new fans. I think he's been vital in sort of yeah, yeah. bringing yeah. the club alive and he's been so likeable and so entertaining.
1: He's played his part, no doubt about that. I think uh, for me, the making of him was Coutinho leaving, I thought, at yeah. the time when he yeah. came here. Uh I thought he was a little bit overawed by Coutinho, and and maybe uh, you know it, too often people were playing into Coutinho. I think once Coutinho left, Firmino came into his own, yeah. more freedom. Uh, very Never much really centre, thought about that,
2: but you're right. Yeah,
1: centre of of things. I remember being in uh, John Lewis uh, in Liverpool in his early days, uh, a few days after Firmino uh, came. I remember. Didn't see him out in the open uh, much, much more, but uh, seeing him uh, first-hand in, out shopping and wondering how big he actually was, you know, I mean, he was a great... Uh, he's been a great athlete, and it's a pity probably that over the last 18 months I don't think we've really seen the best of of Robbie Firmino, but... Um, No, but I think
0: also the blossoming uh, came from him being played in a better position as well. You know, when he was smooth, and Coutinho left, he he had a much better position to play and that he sort of took to like a lot
1: more. I think he took to the responsibility of having the ball. And as I say, I thought there was a little bit over playing to Coutinho at the time. And uh, I think that the, the position, the space was a little bit congested, I found, whenever he came in. Um... Definitely, you know, from my side of looking at things, he definitely came into his own once Coutinho left. Mm.
0: And also I have to say, Tony, you know, the story, you know, the Firmino story, it's like a story about never giving up. Um, I was lucky enough to write a a children's book about the team in Norwegian um, when uh, during COVID and just after we won uh, for the first time in 30 years. And to look into these stories, Firmino was one of the strongest stories, you know, he was so poor. In Brazil, he would go out and sell drinks in the beach, wow. um, and his parents would try to make him do his schoolwork, you know, to try to get a bright f- future. But he was obsessed with football, like you, completely obsessed. So he would sneak out through the window <laughs> when the, his parents thought he was doing schoolwork to play football because it was his life. Well, that's to go the, from the there,
2: drive, into yeah? you know And we they find. had
0: no, no food in the fridge, you know, wow. all of the time. You know, they were starving, and to go from that to become yeah. this cult hero of one of the biggest football clubs. You know, it's just showing all these kids that it's possible, yeah. anything is possible, but you have to be committed and you have to work hard and you also have to believe. Yeah, You know, he's been like a carrier of the Christian belief as well. So I think he's, he's shown that footballers, you know, international footballers can be, they can be poor, they can be religious, they can be cool, they can be a lot of things. You don't have to be one type of person to make it through that tiny little needle hole, if you know what I mean. I yeah. think Firmino you know, has represented that, you know, and he's a family man. He's, like, worshipping his girls and his wife. And it's like, he's got all these sides to him. He's just such a colourful character, I think,
2: to the game. Definitely. I, I think it, somebody's got a big pair of shoes, Phil, haven't they? You know what I mean? He's... he's certainly, without him and James Milne... Liverpool wouldn't have won what they won No, yeah, They all played a part At some point in that season yeah. That got us to where we were You know it, you, you look at the other two Because I will touch on them I felt for the Ox Because When Coutinho went I thought he stepped in and was really really good You think of yeah. the goals he scored against Man City And that lot were fantastic And then that injury against Romy Uh, If I'm right, the surgeon opened up his knee And said it was a car crash in there He'd done every ligament Every ligament You know, he was used to one or two, maybe three He'd done every ligament in in that sliding tackle that he went into And um, he was never quite the same player after You know, it breaks down a lot and Football clubs... uh, Maybe you can answer me this. Football clubs fascinate me on on some things because Liverpool, over the past 10 seasons, have had players that have had injury after injury after injury. So now we touch on the other player that left now, which is Naby And It it always does fascinate me because... I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but... Football now relies on stats A lot doesn't it The first thing when you're looking at a player If I'm right Is they'll look down at his appearances His injury record you know, How is he recovering Blah 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 His lifestyle and everything But when I look at Nabi Katie Surely two years ago We should have looked at somebody like Naby And went mate I don't think You can do it in the premiership You're a wonderful player But it's okay being a wonderful player, but if you're playing one game in 10, you, you know, mm. um, how do we... That, well, that's
1: that's one thing about, you know, playing at Liverpool, for a, not, not as an example, pure and simple. Playing at Liverpool, you're not allowed to play one in four or one in 10, as you say. I mean, you got to play every week. Mm. You might be allowed one day off in a month, you know, kind of thing. But you'll not, you're not, you can't survive on one in four. I mean, and that intensity is going to come to the fore next year because I personally think that Arsenal sort of, you know, didn't have the stomach for the intensity. Very few football clubs can play with the intensity that's going to be needed to compete against Manchester City, and that means Liverpool will be one of those teams next year, I think, um, because. Being in the in the window, the fishbowl, uh, week in week out, is very very difficult. So the right type of players uh, normally come to Liverpool. You know, uh, uh, I mean, trying to cover a lot of things in, a, in, a, in a very quickly. But uh, Oxley Chamberlain was was playing probably the best football uh, for great. Liverpool mm-hmm. until he got injured, and um, uh, and that that did wreck his uh, you know his progress, and he's never found it. So they are able, really, to to recover from that. No. I mean, Gomez, uh, his injury at Burnley, he was he was playing the best football yep. in his life until he had that injury at uh, at Burnley. So, I mean, some of these moments, you, you're very fortunate if you don't sort of suffer something serious. I mean, obviously, we know what's happened to Van Dijk and mm-hmm. hasn't probably... Looked the same type of player It's easy to say that But I don't think he has Looked the same player Since he was no. he, he, he suffered that So That's the that's the precariousness Of, uh, of a footballer's life That You're only one injury away From it all Kind of Collapsing cater uh, uh, I mean I remember Watching Cater For the season Before he arrived At Liverpool In Germany And he, he's an incredible footballer yeah. a Great talented footballer uh, wasn't, unfortunately, he wasn't he one of the Riffle? best
0: in Germany? Yeah, like in the, the Bundesliga yeah, We I mean, were the, like bussing when he came yeah. yeah,
1: the big sides wanted him uh, Unfortunately, I think sometimes um, You have to look at where you're bringing players from uh, And whether or not they're going to be able to suit The situation that, that we find ourselves in And maybe the German league didn't have the intensity of the, of the pre- Well, it doesn't have the, the intensity of the Premier League and the level that you've you've got to play week in week out and maybe twice a week as well, um, and the position that he played for Leipzig was uh, he, he, you know uh, he wasn't the the fetcher carrier type of player. He was the one, and once the donkey work had been done, he feed Kato and he did his thing. Right. Coming into a, a, a different situation, he never never adapted. I mean, I, I live very close to Kater. I mean, I. I've seen and heard him playing in the garden. Actually, place at home. He's got a brother uh, who'll uh, be interesting to
2: see. Uh, was he out for a month after he'd done it?
1: Yeah, no, he's made the glasses really. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, on a day like I don't know whether or not it was embarrassing for him or not. Uh, I mean, the weekend, I mean, to to uh, to be surrounded by the four-year-old over, over Firmino and then yet to to go out and as I say earlier that you know, great, great players have, have left Liverpool, not to the fanfare of trumpets that sort of... Uh, that they got. That, that they got at the weekend and, and that I found a little bit embarrassing, personally, sitting, mm-hmm. there, sitting there and, uh, well, I didn't sit out and uh, do the thing by that time I was inside, but uh, I thought it was a little bit OTT, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest.
0: <laughs> And, and i think one person who did come into the to the shadow of Firmino that didn't deserve the shadow was milner i yeah. mean what what an athlete what a professional he's played over 800 top flight football games yeah. i mean not many people do that yeah. in a lifetime and wouldn't he, I'm just looking at the shirt above your head there, uh, Tony, you've got the Milner shirt above you, which is very suiting for this. Um, wouldn't he be the best free transfer Most in definitely. modern football?
2: Without a shadow of a coming doubt. From
0: City, yeah, winning everything there is to win.
2: Yeah, uh, and then coming here and kind of eclipsing that with the Champions League. Most definitely the the best free signing. I mean... With that came wages, obviously, and I think that's a factor that's come in now that James was on quite a lot. So, listen, don't begrudge anybody in what you can, when you can. It's my motto. Um, But I've heard that that's probably what's coming into it, You know that you've got a player earning 200 grand a week. Mm. He'll be sitting on the bench a lot. I think the mad stat that I saw this season was when we played Napoli in Napoli and James got booked after 30 seconds, I think it was, they put the two teams side by side and Napoli had got something like nine new players since the last time we'd played them Mm. four seasons ago and we'd got something like eight players that were exactly the same. And Mm. as much as it, it, it... it does break your heart to see him go and you feel like it's the end of the year. I think it's caught Liverpool up a little bit this season. Listen, nobody saw this season coming. The pundits didn't see it. I don't think we three saw it coming here. And then, lo and behold, we go to Charity Shield, we played Man City off the park, do completely, yeah, in the sun. And we're like, right, let's mm. go. And I went Fulham and I was like, oh, my God, What what's kind of like... That was a bit weird, you know what I mean? We came out, we're lucky, have a draw, and, and that.
1: And, and I think the secret is in, in football management is seeing the, uh, you know, seeing, you know, the... You know, the, the writing the, the, on the wall. The writing on the wall, mm. you know, looking over, you know, the the initial sort of, uh, you know, mass that's in front of you, be it a forest or whatever, and... Um, but uh, but Milner was, uh, was was immense. I mean, he's had a, um, an amazing career to make his debut at 16 to play all his football yep. life in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, it rivals sort of being Callaghan, really. You know, mm-hmm. how, you know, three ge- playing three generations. Wow. Um, very few players in this modern day will, will play 800 games, and and I think there's a little bit of I think at 37 he's enormously fit. Uh, at the the top of all the the fitness charts at Liverpool. But still, he wants to play and he's not playing enough. And I mean, coming on for 15 minutes at the end and he's done some good jobs in in settling things down in games of of late. But I think he wants to play as much and he realises at 37, uh, it's not going to go on forever. I mean, he probably hopefully anyway he, he will become the, the he will make the most appearances in, in in the Premier League I think he's third at the moment uh, but maybe he has that in his sort of target uh, you know not a bad place to go and finish your,
2: uh, On the your south playing coast. days
1: if he, if he does go you know if, if that is all signed and sealed with, with with Brighton but he's got a lot to he's still got something to offer it's not probable it isn't Liverpool in all honesty uh you know
0: but from a selfish point of view remember when we went and um and uh, won the world cup we had to play the league cup the day before which was like impossible mission impossible the setup of it and how milner stayed behind um and looked after the kids and i was just thinking all right here we go so that's the plan you know milner will stay behind yeah and help with the youth development. I guess he can come back and do that later. Mm-hmm. But I was just naively and um, thinking, from that a selfish
2: point of view... He'd walk into coaching. Yeah,
0: he will stay behind yeah. and, you know, well, look he's after He's been the offered kids. a
2: manager's job already. I see. But uh,
1: he doesn't want... He, he wants to play, do not he? Like he you said, play. yeah. yeah. Uh, so I know that he's been offered a championship manager's job. Wow. Uh, and, you know, he, he feels that he can continue in the Premier League. Um, and, and so... You Know take that opportunity, but uh, I mean, Liverpool, uh, we you know, we we know and we want a challenge for the Premier League, we want to challenge for the Euro- European Cup again, you know, Champions League. Uh, so the team needs strengthening, and unfortunately, all good things come Counter to an, an end. end, yeah. And he's done really well to be involved, uh, at a club like Liverpool at the age of 37, mm-hmm. I think, 36, 37. Uh, and he's been a, he, he has been a mainstay. I mean, you can't knock his uh his talent and his, um, you know, his longevity.
2: Oh God, I, I remember, I think, was it this season or last season? Um, they, they got him marking, was it um, Foden and Grealish? Mm-hmm. Down that, and he kept him out the game. You know what I mean? We were all like this when we read the teams, you thought, oh God, James, you know, we got that many injuries. He was, mm-hmm. he had to step back, step in. And, but he, he, he did, he started, I remember like, the greatest night ever I've been at, the, at that ground was was Barcelona. Yeah. Everybody, if you're a Liverpool supporter and you were in the ground that night, that is without shadow of a doubt. And the job he did there, when two of our best players were out that night as well, you know.
0: Mino and Salah.
2: Yeah, who were both on fire at that point, you know, and... He's been a, a brilliant, brilliant signing. And, but I, like you say, if he wants to play, he, Liverpool isn't mm-hmm. the place. We, that I think going to what I was saying is, is Liverpool have got to look forward now and we perhaps should have a couple of seasons ago, if I'm honest. Nobody saw this season coming. No. But if you think about it, that midfield is the engine room of Liverpool. It's never, never been um, really creative But the intensity that they've played at The Hendersons, Wijnaldum and Fabinho They didn't let a team relax at all They were on them all the time
1: and I think since uh, Wijnaldum left, left. I mean, we, haven't, we haven't replaced Blazed him. The, oh, replaced him. He was a no. vital cog in the wheel, correct yeah. uh, And he was and, never uh, injured? Never. He was, no, no, he was very solid. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe some of his work that he achieved at that time went a little bit unseen, unnoticed. yeah. You know,
2: he,
0: was the, he was the one that played the most games for Yeah, us. yeah
2: he was tremendous, Wijnaldum. And then you, you kind of like replaced him with um, a very creative player, but... Wasn't Didn't cover the park as much as in Tiago, mm-hmm. So
0: And more if, injury Yeah
2: But if if I look at this season Sorry last season That probably made Fabinho and Henderson work twice as hard So Come this season And then probably you had the end of season last year Where If I'm honest then I will be brutally honest and if you watch Liverpool, I thought they were running out of puff at the end of last season. We were just getting over the line. You know, as I mentioned to you earlier, that last game, I, I always remember it against Wolves at home, considering Villa were 2-0 up. And at that point, God, we could do it here. We we never... We, we were just limping over the line. We did win against Wolves, but it was in the last 10 minutes. And then by then... Man City were off and running down the road. You know, we just got over the line against Newcastle. There there was a few... And I think... And then probably losing the Champions League final, how we did, psychologically probably didn't help us a lot. But if anything, it hastened Henderson and Fabinho. Working that hard... You Know what I mean? It, it's kind of like caught up, I think, a lot with it.
1: Oh, oh definitely, there's, there's no no doubt about that. Uh, and as, as you know, as we've said, it probably should have been picked up mm. uh, before. I mean, the game that style of game that Liverpool have played, you know, and also, you know, one or two things have become people have become much more aware of the. you know, Liverpool's wasn't the secret, but you know, I think we've spoken about. Uh, the Linda's book and stuff like that. I, I did mean, the cover. You know. Don't mi- don't demystify something and uh and I think that that's come back to uh to hair so, I'll be honest. do you, you, do think?
2: you think that I you, do. You? Yeah. I think I think strange and yeah. I
1: think uh, if people think there's magic, let them believe it's magic yeah. even if it doesn't you know, I say don't de- demystify uh something that that people have no idea about. But I think it was one of the contributory factors to highlight that Liverpool, you know, we didn't do anything different. We don't. Well, Liverpool have never done anything different, but you just didn't. Don't, did take, it. don't, don't <laughs> take that fear factor. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's an ingredient that you can't put a your finger on. But uh, say, well, don't tell people it doesn't exist because well. sometimes you walk into Anfield and you think, so, well, we're not going to get anything today. Whereas all of a sudden, teams will come into Anfield and, yeah. and saying, you know what? Let's just set about them, and whatever, whatever uh, and uh, as I say, I think there were a few factors this season that have yeah
2: I that, that definitely the engine room, which is the midfield, got overlooked in the summer, definitely that, mm. and we all expected after Madrid that he would sign somebody in the middle and and that's where the confusion came along, really. We went after that French kid that decided to go she Madrid, maybe. yeah. Mm. No, hey, listen.
0: Everyone was dreaming about Mbappe as mm. well. You know, we were like thinking big. Well, well we,
1: no, there were rumors when there. Um, obviously, no, we got no. we got Nunez, and that, he's yeah. he's he's a work in progress. I mean, Nunez will come stronger, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, getting the goals that he's got, I think, is a is is quite an achievement already. And I think yeah. some people, I think. Have missed that point that he yeah. the, the goals that he's come in with, but he was a big signing. But as much as you know, the the cost of uh, of Nunez, uh, the progress you know the progress of the ground. I mean, kind of took uh, you know all the money in the pot sort of uh, yeah. disappeared. So um, it it was probably a reset year. Um, and, and we know, and we we, we sort of have the areas that we know that we're going to have to sort of pick up on. But a couple uh, of
0: couple of season. really good signings this summer, a new Anfield Road end, this club is going to be blessing, yeah.
2: I think I think definitely. That, I mean, the front line. I don't know if they'll. Well, obviously, Bobby's gone out of it. I did think for quite a while. I wondered if Jotty would stay. I really did, mm. but he's he's. Come good again Don't forget Jota didn't score for 12 months mm. You know He's had a heavy injury in that point And I was thinking Well FSG's model has always been sell to buy Kind of thing So If you got like 40 million for Jota And then you sold mm. the keeper 20 million for him And then you can start Hunting around for some Players kind of thing But it, it looks like Jota's staying But It, it it, it, it was a weird one for me because, like I say, that French kid decided to go Real Madrid and it was a bit weird that Liverpool didn't have a plan B, if you get yeah. what I mean. It, it, yeah. not, not every player you talk to was going won't come Liverpool, especially if you go up against Barcelona, Real Madrid. That, I mean, you know, on everybody's radar, you're living in Spain and the sun and, you know, everything yeah. that goes with those clubs. But it, it was a weird one that we didn't have a plan B and then... Klopp coming out and saying, well, I've got four players in midfield, five players, why do I need anybody else? And then two games into the season, we haven't got a midfield. And it's
0: a midfield that has really yeah. taken the most points away from us. Yeah. It's, made, it's made the defence shaky. It's, not it's, serve, it's exposed, yeah.
2: A lot of, yeah.
1: Well, you look at Villa, perhaps, at the weekends. I mean, their midfield won the game yeah. and we, we've said... Often, in in years gone by, it's about controlling the midfield. Liverpool were able to do that and dominate. and And, you know, you win the ball and crowd teams out, then, uh, you know, you're on the way. Um, But we we have lost it this year so Mm. much in in midfield. We've looked very fragmented. Uh, But we're linked with so many uh, interesting names. I mean, it isn't all about Bellingham. Uh, Just because... uh, Liverpool don't look like they're going to. Uh, did you Did you uh, ever think that we were in the hunt? Uh, well, I think the fact that he, you know, I think his dad is a is a massive a traditional rev. Liverpool fan, and Bellingham himself, uh, I mean, is his hero growing up, and his model was Steven Gerrard. Uh, I thought to myself, you know what, maybe he's going. I part of me thought he might stay one more year at Dortmund, and then. I might redress it next year and come to come to Liverpool maybe next year. Maybe that's just sort of... I mean, we're all playing fantasy football at the moment, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And uh, we all come up with our theories and, and things. But it looks like perhaps um, Real Madrid have to, have to rebuild. So mm-hmm. when they have to rebuild, then they go out and spend the money. And, and, and probably, yeah. I mean, although I thought maybe... And maybe outside chance. I think it's that that's gone. But I mean, he isn't the only. Uh, you know, he isn't the only uh, fish in the pond kind of thing out there. There's many uh, uh, great midfield players. And and the fact maybe if you overspend on somebody like a, was, a Bellingham. Yeah, that was the big worry for me. The intensity is yeah. on one on one guy. The spotlight is all on him to change. Liverpool have never worked that way no. in the past. Uh, it's 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 about building a unit, uh, and I think in doing that, I think um, we'll will be the better for it. I think. I mean, uh, you know, seeing some people sort of, you know, uh, when the news broke, that it didn't look like Liverpool were going to get Bellingham. You felt like you know
2: the end of the world. At the end of the world. Yeah, and
1: the, and the season hasn't. This season hasn't ended, and people were writing off next season. I think it would have been such a an investment to make on one player. I think it wasn't worthwhile.
2: I it, most definitely, especially that you are pouring like hundred and fifty million quid into one player that mm. hasn't played in the Premiership really yet. Mm. And listen, with, with the. Best will in the world. Uh, I hope he does go on and have a stellar career, but there also could be that fact that he might not make it in the Premiership. Might
0: it's... be a new cater, you know, <laughs> with the tempo.
2: Or... He does <laughs> look a great player, hmm? in all honesty,
1: but, uh, you know, as we said before as well, you're only one injury away from Correct. it all sort of crumbling as well, so, uh, you know.
2: That's... and it, I think Liverpool's model as well, as we touched on while we were, we were sitting over there, is we tend to go. Case is perhaps the only one that's backfired a little bit on while Jurgen's been here. But as I said on, on the bus coming up, Mornay wasn't on my radar when we signed him. Salah wasn't. God, the only time I'd seen Allison is when we put five past him here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For Roma, all these players, obviously somebody's been watching him, going, "He'll do all right for us." You know what I mean? And and I'm I'm they, they weren't on my radar, so I, I, I'm pretty sure I said to David earlier within a month month and a half we'll have our signings because mm-hmm. Jürgen likes to get it done quick he signs them very early gets a good pre-season item so we, they know what's expected of them in the season mm-hmm. so we'll know within but I'm expecting a few ooh, I'd never thought it, that he was on the radar kind of yeah. signings you know what I mean that, they
0: like to build players yeah. in Liverpool
2: yeah
1: well, there's, there's lots of potential out there, as I say, uh, you know... The, Who's the, your biggest
0: guess?
1: Uh, guess or...
0: Uh, or rumour?
1: Uh, rumour. <laughs> uh, I'd be excited to, to... Do you like McAllister? I think he's a yeah, very good footballer. He's Do you? a very good footballer and he can make people play. Uh, and will we'll f- perform better in a, in a better team as well. I mean, obviously, the stress... And the the, the strain that he they playing for somebody like Brighton is uh, is tough. So you, you you know you should thrive around better players. I mean I've heard one or two rumours and whether or on, or not I go on, go on, a, <laughs> go on. It's uh, only us but I think they're all they're all, uh, they're all midfield players that we're being linked with, and uh, are some really interesting names actually, one or two us. unknowns. and yeah. uh, might disclose them next week.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: that's, what, that's what I'm expecting. You know, like I say, we, we have an habit of signing players. The, the Virgil van Dijk was the only big one that yeah. they hunted down. Yeah. Everybody else, I mean, Salah, you know, he hadn't done it at Chelsea, he, he did it at Roma, I mm-hmm. think he. The Marnays, you know, went at Newcastle. It, Again, Bavino,
1: yeah, you know, happened overnight. Uh, I remember listening mm. to to the radio on a Sunday night. And it said, "Surprise, come rough for Liverpool fans," and uh, yeah, and there you go. I mean, it, it, there isn't, a, a, you know, it, it gets overused uh, the Liverpool way. But in the past, um, most signings were often done, you know, before yeah. you realised yeah. they were on the, uh, you know, on the on the radar, nice and quietly and effectively. Um, and we're kind of in that pro. We're in that sort of style now with, Alexa say Jurgen. He's very, he's quite uh, strategic and very secretive. Yeah, and plays his cards there's, quite there's close. A, a, the link, though. There seems to be common knowledge that Schmadke will will be here perhaps in the next week or so, which is a sign. That, you know, they'll they'll move quick to uh, uh, recruit. Mm.
0: Mm. My last question before we go to your greatest Liverpool memory in your whole entire life, Tony, is the Europa League. How are we feeling about the Europa League? Tony is now just sort of (laughs) hanging with his heads, but can't we go to some exciting, uh, obscure little places that we've never been to and and have a ball?
2: Most definitely. (laughs) I, I think that the thing that scares me a little bit, Ron, is... Football at the moment it, it, It's so money driven And Newcastle, great yeah, they've done, Eddie Howe's done brilliant My big fear in football at the moment is Once Newcastle have got into that Champions League You won't get them out mm-hmm. It's too much money there You know what I mean? I, to put it into context And this could be right what I heard The people that own Newcastle Make Man City look like Port Vale Financially Which is quite frightening You know what I mean So my thing is Once you've got Newcastle Into those Champions League spots Bar a catastrophe That then throwing loads of money at it Won't correct You won't really get them out So that If you put Man City there And Newcastle That leaves two I, I... yeah, listen. Nobody's got a divine right win anything or to to go in in competitions and everything else. Liverpool can survive a season out of the Champions League, but next season, it's a big season for Jurgen Klopp because he's got to sign a midfield that hit the ground running, and we've got hit the ground running because if you want stay at. The point that we are You have to play Champions League football I remember going back to 2011 Around the Roy Hodgson time And I don't know if you can remember this um, Arsenal were playing Schalke In Schalke in Germany And at that point we were linked With Hunter Law from one of the German clubs And that um, Talksport And um, Correspondent came on from Germany And he said I can categorically Tell you this now Hunter Law will not be going Liverpool They are not dining on that table at the moment Mm -hmm. And You've got to think that's how Football is if you're not in and around The Champions League It's a big thing Arsenal have testified that In it for 17 years or 16 years Consecutively And then have been out of it for 10 Mm -hmm. And it's it's, the competition now to get top four is even harder than it was perhaps back 10 years ago. So you're asking me now about the Europa. If I was honest, we need European football here because it's Liverpool Football Club. There is part of me that kind of thinks, do you know what we could have done without it for, for 12 months maybe and, and made sure that from day one we are competing for that Champions League Spot.
1: Um, and I think what what this season has told me is that I think whether whether or not a couple of teams are geared to that intensity and um, expectation. I mean Newcastle to play every game as intense as they did it for stages of this season. I don't think is possible personally. Uh, watched them again last night at uh, against um, against Leicester, Leicester. Mm-hmm. and. uh you know, they're going to have to perform. The expectation is going to be really massive, mm. and the expectation on Arsenal uh, has been massive. And I think that's where, for me, they they failed. Uh, as I said earlier. I think I think that's why we might benefit from being a Liverpool football club because players, you know, that's that's built into the demands and part of um, you know being a Liverpool player. Um, So whilst I agree with some what Tony says, I'm not sure that, that, you know, it remains to be seen, and and a year from now may sit here and say totally wrong about Newcastle, but I wonder whether or not... Playing in the Champions League every week and then having those big games that follow the Champions League, it isn't for everybody. Right. And, uh, And so... You know, maybe United might be able to. I think they've got the muscle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are restrictions on these days, so I mean, you can have as much money as you want. At the end of the day, you can only spend so much, which is being set out by, uh, by the Fair Play, and uh, and so that you you guess will have two windows. They'll have a little bit of time now in the summer, obviously, and then maybe if things aren't going their way, next December, stroke January. Um, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a, a jamboree for everybody to go out and you know, this way it's got to be clever and Newcastle probably will will I think will be kind of committed mostly to the group that they have done and won't make as many changes as maybe we
2: will that's my little mm-hmm. I, th- I think uh, th- the thing is once they're in there you can attract that next player up let's face it they can offer what money they want if you've got that much money you can pay the wages to what go
1: and live in in Newcastle uh, I mean I was with Kevin Keegan last week and you know and everybody knows you know, the summer arrives in Newcastle on some some day in July. <laughs> uh, it isn't for everybody, uh, you know, playing no. up in the northeast, and that, that comes into that will come into the equation, I I, I think, uh, in a good way and a bad way, I suppose. Well,
0: my final question. It's we. This is the longest podcast this season, but I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. So, um, so uh, Tony. Your uh, strongest Liverpool Football Club memory Memory As my final question to you
2: It's funny isn't it Because like I, I touched on it earlier you kind of spoiled You're, On the way up here I'm, I'm listening to Talk Sport And that Lauren And Noel Gallagher Was coming on Waxing lyrical Against Man City And that And You've been so spoilt for moments with Liverpool. I really have, you know. Uh, most football supporters are very lucky to see their team win a cup. You know what I mean? We've won everything multiple times and have been to finals. and God, you, you know... The story of me going Istanbul, I'd, I'd left Karang in 2005, uh, was floating around, I hadn't got proper editorial work, and lo and behold, I went the Chelsea match, which was then perhaps one of the greatest nights I'd been at Anfield. Mm. Quite simply, as I remember we were second row from the top of the cop. The guy next to me was wearing glasses, and this is 20 minutes before kickoff. And every time I looked at the guy in glasses, they'd fogged over. It was that hot up there. It was insane. It was a beautiful sunny day. The atmosphere was off the scale. I remember coming out and we got the final all the way down the road. There were people on the side of the roads and it was amazing. And then the, the mad thing is, and somebody touched on this coming up on the bus, it was seven or eight hundred pounds then to go to Istanbul on them packages. Mm. God knows knows what it's going to cost Man City this time. It's a lot, it's the furthest in Europe you can go. You cross the river and you're in the east. Yeah. 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 So I hadn't got £800 to spend on a package to go to Istanbul. I'd got my ticket, but I hadn't got the flight. But because I'd flown to America so many times over the past 15, 20 years, I had 120,000 air miles on United. On Star Alliance For two weeks I rang up Star Alliance I need a flight to Istanbul No sorry sir, no availability Every time I got shut down And it was the Saturday before Because the finals in them days were midweek And it was the Saturday before And My ex who I was living with at the time I'd got up in the morning Rang Star Alliance Got no flight And then she at three o'clock she said Just try again, what, what have you got loose Just I know your face is like a bulldogs backside like go and try again so I got this German lady on the phone and I said look before you tell me there's no availability I've got 120,000 miles you can see that can't you yes I don't care if you fly me to Bangkok and then fly me back all the traffic's going Istanbul I know that so if I hop over it and come back I, and she started laughing she said what what what, what is so important? I said, My team are in the final, gotta go. You know, it took her three hours to root me out, but she did. And I had to drive from on the Tuesday. I got up at 10 o'clock in the morning, drove to Heathrow. From at uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, I flew from Heathrow to Hanover, two hour stop over in Hanover, Hanover to Munich, two hour stop over in Munich. Luckily, there was people on this next flight that I knew and it was Munich to Ankara. We got to Ankara at 2 o'clock in the morning, hired a car, drove all the way through the night from Ankara to Istanbul, got to Taksim Square. We were told you wouldn't get accommodation. Well, you would get accommodation of a certain standard, let me tell you, and it was a certain standard. <laughs> it was only 15 quid a night. Uh, I dumped my bags down Went into Taksim Square Obviously the, the rest is history I, I then couldn't come home till the Friday So Friday morning I From five o'clock I got up from, from Istanbul to Lubuynia Lubuynia to Frankfurt Frankfurt to Heathrow And I got home um, On Friday afternoon And that was probably one of the greatest You know Things But we had such a good time when we went Madrid. I drove 66 hours mm. in a van, 15 <laughs> of And I keep, I always remember saying, don't look far on the map <laughs> until you actually drive it. And the van's governed it at, at, at 60 mile an hour as well. And I remember that I'd had no sleep on the Thursday night because we had to be up, start rounding everybody up at two o'clock Friday morning. So I'd gone... All a Thursday night, no sleep. And then we missed the first ferry over at 10 o'clock. We had to wait for the next one. Cutting a long story short, I drove for something like 26 hours and was hallucinating by the time we got to Bordeaux. Oh <laughs> because we were late, I only had five hours sleep there and then I'd drive the rest of the way to Madrid. But both, both finals we won, so they'll always be... Very special and the whole thing. But without a doubt, and everybody will say it, the greatest night at Anfield was Barcelona. I loved the final in Madrid and we won in everything else. That Barcelona game was, that, trust me, where I am goes a bit mad when we score. When that equaliser went in, I was about two rows down. <laughs> It was insane. It was absolutely insane, and nobody expected us to go through. I thought we might win two-one, put up a good showing of ourselves, kind of thing. But to actually turn that night around, it was just something else. But
0: I was at the cop that that day too, and it was so loud. I've never heard yeah. anything like it. And and. Of course, it made it extra special that we could boo all these guys who ran away and let us down, you know, mm. to go to Barcelona and win <laughs> things. Um, so it was that emotional sort of get-you-one-back extra mm-hmm. in terms of the players that we we were annoyed that left us when we needed them the most. So it was uh, oh, a
2: tonight. I, I think, like, to to know that Barcelona actually celebrated winning 3-0 in the Camp new and they thought the job was done. They'd had an extra week off. They'd won the league, could afford rest. We'd had injuries out, and on the way up, you looked at the thing, and you went, to you know, Divock's starting. And as wonderful as Divock is, and I've always said, 90 minutes weren't his forte. The last 10 minutes were his forte, you know what I mean? And it... it, it you looked and you went, oh, and, and then the performance that. But it, again, the, the Arsenal won in the Champions League. You know, when we scored, they oh, went and scored, right. yeah. And then wh- that run that bleeding, what's that young lad he ended up back it's at? Wil-
1: se-
2: Walcott, uh, Wil- Wil- uh, Walcott. 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 he ooh. scored, and then Adabayo scored, it, uh, and then we got the penalty, and then. Got the winner That was another night That it went off there You, you spoil Yeah There are times Ron Where I have to pinch myself Because I, I went home on, on Saturday You know Deflated a little bit I, I said to David earlier It's a bit of a mad one It caught up with me this season Because For the past five or six We've been used to Something's happening At the end of the season Yeah You know what I mean Whether it be a a final or whether or not we're pushing for the league or it, it, that, that tremendous... one
0: three finals, yeah. like last season. That,
2: that, that tremendous one where he, he put the run together to get Champions League, where we, we went 10 or 12 games undefeated. And then this season almost had a bit of a... Ooh, you, you know what I mean? I, it felt a bit empty. And, and I suppose that you, you're thinking a bit entitlement there, but it was a strange... Feeling this year that, that it's all finished and.
0: Well, we're just down there at the bottom to to get some grip with our feet to push up again. Yeah. So we're we're coming fast and strong next <laughs> season. Dearest, dearest Tony Woolies-Croft, thank you so much for driving all the way from Stoke today yes. to to share your amazing stories. And also, while I've got you here, thank you so much for taking incredible photos for for the books that I've written and for all the laughs and all <laughs> <laughs> all the experiences we've had on the road to to capture some Liverpool Football Club history together. And Dearest David Fairclough, thank you as always. It wouldn't be the same without you. This season is coming to an end. We'll probably stick in a couple more episodes before before we, we will have a little summer break and come back. But yeah, follow us, subscribe and all that jazz and let all your friends know that LFC Talk is the one to listen to. Thank you everyone so much for, uh, for tuning in, if it's um, on YouTube or if it's... Uh, Uh, where you listen to your podcast take care and enjoy the sunshine if the sun is shining on you if not hope it will soon bye bye